recorded this program, when I'm recording this, when we're doing this show live, it's Friday morning. I don't know when you're going to find it. It could be overnight. It could be in the afternoon. It could be right after lunch. But this show is called Philanthropy in Focus. And I've been told, Tommy D, you talk really fast, man. Can you slow it down and enunciate your words? Yes, I can, but I don't always like to, but I can slow it down when necessary. We do this show every single Friday morning, and I usually say, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to the show, welcome to my attic, where I've been doing this live program now uh, since January 8th of 2021. So every single week, we bring on another leader of a nonprofit organization to do two things. I say to help them tell their story and amplify their message. Why would I do this? Why is this important? Well, because nonprofits change our world. They change our world. They impact our world in every second of every minute of every hour of every day, et cetera, millennia, millennium, millennial, all that stuff. That's the deal. That's what's going on here. 36,000 nonprofit organizations just in the city of New York, which is about 15 miles from the attic. And that's a lot of nonprofits. 600,000 people in the city of New York work for, are gainfully employed by a nonprofit organization. This show is not hyper-local. It's not focused just on New York City, but I'm just giving you a frame of reference. That's how big an industry the nonprofit sector is. Every week, I bring on another leader of a nonprofit organization to do those two things, tell the story and amplify the message. Because why? Because I'm the nonprofit sector connector, man, woman, people, persons. That's the deal. That's who I am. I'm your boy, Tommy D. The show is Philanthropy and Focus. My guest today is Michelle Hall. Michelle, before we even get into me doing some background and bio and the mission of Encourage Kids Foundation, I got to do two things to start this off. I got to say welcome to the show. And the other thing I say is welcome to my attic. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? I'm um, this, this is exciting. This is exciting. You have a lot of energy. I love it. <laughs> I, I had a, I gave a presentation last night. I'm, I'm studying with the Institute for Nonprofit Practice in the course certificate program my cohort um, met last evening. And it was uh, meet the funders and we got the pitch funders. Now I don't, I sit on a number of boards. I don't work for an organization, um, but I, so I was pitching as a board member from an organization out here in Long Island, the Spirit of Huntington Art Center. My friend Michael Katakis has been on this this program. And it was funny, that thing about slowing down the way I speak, one of the gentlemen's feedback for me after I gave my quote unquote pitch, although I don't love the word pitch, but I gave the pitch and he was like, maybe you want to be a bit slower when you speak, unless you're speaking in front of other people from Long Island. And then I guess it's no big deal. Okay. <laughs> I said, well, I said, All right. I get it. I get it. Very nice. I thank you for the feedback. I know we had a second round and I got positive feedback on being so slow. And I said, well, that's because in the first round I got feedback about this. So that's, so we'll, we'll put that aside, but it's, you know, I guess what I'm talking about is it's about sharpening our saw. It's about getting better. It's about improving, you know, Stephen Covey, the, the, uh, the seven laws, uh, you know, so highly effective people, that whole thing. Um, so always getting better, always improving. I'm sure we'll dive into some of that today. I'm excited to have you here. I'm, I'm like, I'm in awe by the work that this organization is doing, the impact you're making. I mean, I, I, these statistics, and we'll talk about them, but the organization impacts over a million children each year. Is that accurate? That's those numbers are out of control. So I really, I want to hear how that happens. I want to shut off my email too, because that's popping up. That shouldn't have happened. Shame on me. I was told if there's an elephant in the room, name it, and then it's no big deal. So I'll get, I'll deal with that when I have a chance to shut it all off. Um, Yeah, it happens, right? You know, so the mission of the organization Encourage Kids Foundation helps humanize healthcare for children and their families by resourcing impact-driven pediatric programs and supporting the child life community. Now, you're going to have to tell me, I Googled the child life community. I know you're very involved as a member of the child life uh, organization of Greater New York. Um, Terry Magro, my friend, was on the program last week from the Michael Magro Foundation. I think Mm -hmm. I mentioned this to you earlier in the week. They do a lot to support families with a child um, who's going through an illness and kind of helping them pay their bills and, and different things like that. When I mentioned Child Life to Terry, she was all about it. She's an RN. She's now retired, but she was very familiar with those programs. Um, So I I really, I have some background on you. I I just, I want you to tell me your story. As I said the other day when we connected, 
there's kind of an arc of this program. It's the leader is here and I want to hear their story, how they got involved in the nonprofit sector, what drew them to service, because I think it's a great opportunity to share that story. Then we'll get into the organization, the programs, the impact, and then also, what do you need? Who do you looking to connect with? Who can maybe me personally, I be, might be able to connect you or people in my network. So that's what we're going to do today. That's what we do each week. Um, I do want to do a couple things. 19 years at, at the Starlight Children's Foundation, an advisory board member for Stomp Out Bullying, a member of the Child Life of Greater New York, as I said, diversity task force for the Association of Child Life Professionals, et cetera, et cetera, right? Not to et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, when we have these backgrounds, there's a lot of stuff. 2019 Public Service Leadership Award, and a 2021 Cranes New York Top Black Leaders and Executives Award winner. I mean, I'm just jazzed to have you on this show. So I appreciate you being here. So let's tell me this, Michelle. What drew you to the nonprofit work if there was such a catalyst or an opportunity that did such a thing? Wow. You know, it, it was really an interesting story. Um, I was working in a completely different industry and looking for a volunteer opportunity. And so I found the foundation, I volunteered for several years. And then uh, the company that I was working for was the division in New York was, was sold. And I had the opportunity to go to our headquarters in Dallas or to stay in New York City. And, um, and they flew me down to Dallas and Dallas is a perfectly fine place, but it wasn't a place for me. So I decided to stay in New York City. Um, and, uh, you know, they took nice care of me and uh, I was able to use that summer to explore opportunities, but also to ramp up my volunteering at the foundation. And so while I was doing that, one of the young ladies there was preparing to have a baby and they came to me and they said, hey, could you just pinch hit for three months and, uh, and fill in for her? And they said, you know, if you get a job between now and then, we completely understand, but will you do that? And I said, yes. And, and that was 26 years ago. <laughs> you still so- I tell people, volunteer, you might get a job. <laughs> hey, you know, that's like, what's that thing they say? You, I was voluntold to do this thing, whatever that thing was, right? I, I hear that a lot. I, I, so, you know, was there something, you know, awesome that you had this opportunity to sort of take a breath and, and say, you know what? I'm in business, right? I'm doing right. this thing, but there's this whole thing over here. You know what I've been thinking about a lot is I used to think, that there was like this time when we retire, like when we stop doing whatever it is. Like I used to actually think there was like, that was a thing. Like, cause I saw that like growing up, like people would retire, you know, they would get a gold watch or something like that. They would get maybe a, some golf clubs and then they would go do that. But like, and, and I think what I'm learning is I want to retire like each week a little bit and like do the stuff that I want to do, whether it be philanthropic efforts, whether it be the volunteering, whether it be family time, going fishing, whatever the case may be. Um, At 44 years old, with my expectation of another 50 years of life, I don't see like stopping doing things. Like I, I see this like weaving of our lives of, you know, the business that we do, the philanthropy that we do sometimes for folks like yourself, it's one and the same, right? The philanthropy and the service work nonprofit wise. What do you like? you were able to take your love of this service work and, and bring it into a career. I think that's so interesting and there's so yeah. much opportunity, right? Yeah. I was surprised by it myself. You know, um, it, it just revealed itself as being something that I had a passion for and it was nothing that I had anticipated doing in college or any of that. Um, and so And so, like I said, you know, along the journey, it was a a real surprise to me how much I loved it and how much I connected with the mission and uh, most importantly, the families and the children that we were serving. So, so yeah, and I agree with you. I think, you know, retiring looks like uh, at some point you being able to have more control over your time, 
but I, I can't imagine. I, I too, uh, I'm from, I'm from Michigan and, you know, at a time when General Motors was running high and, you know, everybody, like you said, they did their time, right? You did your time. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. You get your pension and then you can like, whatever, but like, why? I don't know. I think I'm probably, you know, physically better shape than I'll be in 10 years from now, maybe, you know, and, and better shape than I'll be in 20 years from now. So why, like have to do this later on when, when parts might not work as well. Like I want to go through these things. So I think I was even thinking about this, like on the way up to the attic before I was like, you know what? We're right now approaching uh, win baseball season. Let's go Mets. They won last mm-hmm. night going to opening day next Friday. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking in terms of like this time of year, having children and stuff uh, it, it's like, got to take the time when you can and like, you know, shorter Fridays or whatever the case may be. Right. I'd, I'd rather, I was going to say steal that time, but I'd rather rather utilize that time, right? Words have meaning. So I want to make sure I don't say steal it, but we utilize that time now and not try and you know, utilize it later on when maybe things are different, you know? Yeah. Well, the pandemic taught us that, right? And we're coming out of that and, um, and uh, Americans probably from our agricultural and industrial past, just want to grind and grind and grind and grind. And other countries don't do that. They They vacation more, they spend more time with family. And I think that the pandemic, we had that aha moment, like, wait a minute, (laughs) we can, we can, we can do this. We can get our work done and we can take care of our, our families. And I think, you know, and maybe we'll talk about this today and certainly with the mental health conversation, certainly becoming more, you know, Focus. We're becoming more aware of the importance of that mental health conversation, and and, and you know I, I serve on uh, some committees for some other organizations, specifically in that mental health space. Uh, one of which, Transitional Services for New York (TSINY). Shout mm-hmm. out Dr. Larry Grubler and Ave McCracken, my buddies over there, and they serve four thousand individuals with mental health issues in in the city. And I always, I've been like stamping my feet about us ending that stigma around this conversation, right? And I don't say we haven't we haven't figured it out yet, but I think I don't I'd love to hear your opinion. I think we're close, though. I think we're actually having this conversation, whether it be the celebrities or whatever it is, you know, Simone Biles. Right. Like these types of. Yeah. Right. That's a huge part of it. I think when, you know, people that you look up to or that you think are perfect that are now revealing, you know what, I'm not perfect. I'm struggling. You know, I have to deal with high performance pressure and 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 it's tough you're 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 absolutely right and and needed so and needed so much you walk through new york city now you know and um we need to really put some effort around helping um the new yorkers out there who are who are challenged by mental health problems yeah yeah i totally agree with you and and i think um you know we are going to go to break in a second here but i just think it's like I, maybe I see the world like, like so rosy, but like why we're just supposed to hug each other and be compassionate and love each other. And if we just freaking did that, I think the world would be, you know, a better place. You know, I, I we all need support at times. We, um, whether it, you know, be, be around mental health or physical health, whatever it is, if we just were more supportive of each other. I think we'd be uh, a better species on a whole, Absolutely. but that's right. I mean, so, so a little, little bit each Friday morning, I try to solve the world that way. So we, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. Uh, I want you to take us through the organization. I want you to take us through the, you know, what happens, how the organization engages with families, how they help families, how they support families. And, um, and we'll just keep talking. We'll have a good conversation. All right. All right. Cool. We'll be right back. Philanthropy and Focus. Michelle Hall is here. Encourage Kids Foundation. Take us to a break, Dylan. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. I watched the show from last week and I made this big proclamation that I have the only show in the world with the word attic in this in the theme song and I don't know if it's true but I'm just going to tell everybody it is true because nobody's challenged me yet Michelle no one has challenged me yet just come off the mute button let's join just bring you right back in and um we we will uh we will leave that out there for the world. If you have a song and the word attic is in it, you know, I know there's toys in the attic, but I don't think there's any, so there's Tommy in the attic is what we're doing here. We, let's, let's digress. Tommy, you bring it back kid. Come on now. He's talking to himself. Yes. All right. So let's, that's my friend, Brendan Levy. We wrote that song together. He's the singer. Um, and he's from the Queens Chamber of Commerce, which uh, if at some point, yeah, at some point, if it's if it's a good opportunity, I'm happy to hook you and your organization up with Brendan at the Queens Chamber. Oh, yeah, good friends of mine, him and Tom Gresh. Tom's been on the show. Tom's the CEO of the Chamber, and I do a lot of work with Queens Chamber. Um, I, so let me read this again. Humanizing healthcare for children and their families by resourcing impact-driven pediatric programs and support for the child life community. So Michelle, you know, we're right now at my company doing a whole rebrand mission, vision, value, and, and all that stuff is critically important in telling the story. And I, and I love how uh, the organization explains the mission there, but what is it, how do you break that into some component parts for us? And, And what does the organization you know, day to day, your staff, yourself, your volunteers, what exactly is going on? You know, over the course of the past um, 37 years, it's looked really different. You know, we started out with a smaller footprint. We actually were uh, granting wishes. And then um, that became, first of all, there was major competition from other organizations. And also we found that there was a huge void in the hospital setting that hospitals um, needed resources, even if it was people coming in and doing arts and crafts with the children. Um, And then, you know, things just blew up. We started different in-hospital programs, and then we saw that there was um, kind of a larger opportunity to begin to fund programming in hospitals. And we began to work with the child life community and the child life community is, you know, an entire profession of, 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 you know, masters and above degree level um, clinicians, basically, whose main job is to ensure the psychosocial well-being of children in the hospital. So it's that, so there's many different things they do, but their, their objective is to say that one more time to, to ensure, ensure the psychosocial well-being. So, you know, to, to, to make that more granular, you have a kid and you have to bring that child to the emergency room and everybody has a, has a position, a post, right? So the doctor's there to try to figure out what the medical issue is. The nurse is there to 
um, administer anything that the doctor needs to, to be done. And then the child life specialist is there to make sure that the parents and the child are comfortable and they understand what's happening. And of course, that can be very, very important because um, if, you go, if you've got a hysterical child, a doctor or a nurse may not have the tools in their toolkit <laughs> to be able to calm a child down so that they can receive an IV, so that they can, um, you know, and outside of the emergency room, be prepped for surgery, all of those things. And they're extremely, extremely important because PTSD among hospitalized children has been so high. You know, I myself was hospitalized as a child. Um, I think they thought I had spinal meningitis. And I can tell you vividly what happened when I had a spinal tap and how How old were you? Nine. So you can remember that, you know, I can remember it and I shouldn't be able to remember it the way I remember it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can remember it. And so, you know, to have the opportunity to um, distract a child Mm -hmm. so that either they don't remember or they have a positive memory with being in the hospital is really, really important. Don't remember or have a positive memory. I mean, game changing. And and as you said, these are master levels or higher. So doctorate folks, right? Like high, you know, high level of- They're very well educated. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Now that's, I I gotta tell you, you know, I, I never claim to know everything. And I will say every day, I realize I know less than I thought I knew the day before, but, and not to be self-deprecating, there's just so much, there's such a big world out there. So I wasn't even aware of this as a field, as a profession and shout out to people who, you know, who want to serve children, want to serve families, but maybe don't want to go to medical school, but want to serve. And, you know, for one reason or other, they don't have the interest in the clinical side of things. There's this whole profession over here in this child life space that they could get involved with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And make a huge difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, is it, is there, I, I'm going to look at my notes, 35 years or 37, you said, so maybe my notes are a little off. 50 That's okay. Maybe two were the, you know, yeah, I was at COVID years, harder years. Oh, yeah, all right. Well, COVID like years. We'll, we'll blame COVID it on the COVID years, years because that's yeah. been like 10 years. It out took of two away. Right? <laughs> $50 million to medically challenge kids and their families. Here's a big, not that what I just said is not super important and big, but even right alongside, I wrote partnerships with 300 medical facilities around the country. So what where does encourage kids come in so we have this kind of this triangle right you have you have the child life person you have the doctor the nurse those folks and the and the child and the family in the middle and i and i know we we talk about filling in gaps around pro, um programs and and projects and supporting hospitals tell me where you fit in so like i'm a visual person so i'll probably draw a picture right. of this so it depends you know a lot of our programming is scalable you know i'll start with you know um some of the, I believe, not not the sexier things, but like, so for instance, we support music therapy in hospitals. Music therapy is extremely important. Um, as we know, music is a universal language that can, can calm people down. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's transcendent. And so when you go in and you watch music therapists play for babies in the NICU and calm down their heart rate, you know, things like that are absolutely incredible. And as you said, for me, I've learned so much uh, being a part of this organization and how different um, uh, disciplines assist with different things. Art therapy, same thing. Um, and art therapists can work with a patient to help to reveal issues that the medical team needs information on to treat that patient. Hold on one second. Let me just, let me just stop you there. So, so this is not just, Hey, it'd be great to listen to some music or Hey, it'd be great to do some coloring. What you just said about the art therapy. I want you to say that one more time that it it uncovers things. It's able to show the clinicians things. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Um, I was, I was, I was at a hospital and, uh, you know, being, being basically shown what the work that we had supported did. And it was, it was an eating disorder clinic. And I talk about not knowing something, yeah. um, 
eating disorders, you know, are ravaging preteens and teens, um, even more so now with social media and other triggers that happen to them. Um, And so we learned that with the art therapist, she's able to work with the children to have them draw things. And she'll say things like, hey, can you tell me what your eating disorder looks like? And the kids start working on the project. And one young lady is drawing like this fluffy poodle and everything else. And it's really beautiful. And, you know, the art therapist is thinking, okay, I'm not sure where she's going with this, but all right, we'll stick with it. She goes around and looks at some of the other kids uh, work and uh, comes back and the, and she's turned the paper over and she's drawing this, this, you know, terrifying monster. And when it's time to share, the young lady holds up the picture and she says, she holds the poodle side out. And she said, this is what my eating disorder um, tries to tell me that if I don't eat, I'm going to be beautiful and I'm going to um, be accepted by everyone. And you know, everybody likes pretty poodles and that's what I'll be. But then she flipped it to the other side and she said, but this monster with all these eyes and gnashing teeth is what it really is. It's trying to kill me. Oh my God. I know, right? And I just <laughs> sat there like, oh my God. But then the art therapist says, so you're able to go and share that with a therapist and say, she's making a breakthrough. She's starting to understand that the eating disorder is not her friend, it's her enemy, and now we can make some progress. And there was just story after story after story like that, where, you know, you can't get a a child to verbalize what's wrong, but certainly art will bring that out in them. Um, We we have supported something that's been a new trend over the past decade, which is facility dogs and pet therapy. Mm, Yep, yep. Big deal. For all types of patients, you see dogs used with cancer patients, you know, dog just climb up in the bed with them and they can lay there. And it's just, again, calming, restorative. That is what children need. Everybody loves dogs. And so we've, uh, we've been helping to support that type of programming. We really like to do whatever it is that the hospital wants. We are not trying to come to the hospital and say, here, we have this widget and you should use it. Mm-hmm. It's really, what do you need? Every constituency is different. Every part of the country is different. Every hospital population is different. And so we really work in tandem with the hospital to try to give them the things that they need. So thank you. So it's really around the funding of these services or programs that they want as a foundation, Mm -hmm. right? That's kind of where you come in at to support, as we say, fill in those gaps um, where they might not be able to do the music therapy, the art therapy, the dogs. I mean, the, the dog thing. Look, I got four kids. We almost adopted a dog. We didn't adopt the dog. I we do an, I do another radio show here on the network called the Professionals and Animal Lovers Show. So when you said the dogs, it made me smile. Um, in fact, we got to get our, our friend John Miller from the Guide Dog Foundation. Shout out, John. He hasn't hasn't been on my program yet. Hasn't been on the other radio show we do about the animals. So we got to get John on the show. But um, you know, so much you said there. A couple things. There is a joke. I feel like I need to make. Um, I remember watching. I always liked the Tasmanian Devil. And Taz, you know, I remember the Tasmanian <laughs> devil, like I the old, like, you're right. And he, rah, 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 rah. and I, you know, and it's the same initials as my initials TD. So I kind of, I guess I kind of like that too. But when the Tasmanian devil would go crazy, like in the old, I guess, Looney Tunes cartoons, they would play music and they would say music soothes the savage beast and it would calm him down. And I just, I remember. As you, right. As you were talking about that, I was thinking about like the old episodes of that. And, and I know it, like I see my buddy, Mick Collins always checking in. He says, I use music therapy almost every day. Now, I don't know about you, Michelle, or or folks listening, but look, I meditate. I try to go inside my head as much as possible and and relax and go inside the whole deal. Um, I I mean, my music interests really run the gamut. So, you know, one minute it's the Beatles, the next minute it's a Tribe Called Quest. And it's like, but I know that this stuff, I think you even use the word, it's transcendent. It takes us mm-hmm. to another place. Like I listen to, 
you know, scenario by a tribe called quest. And I mean, that takes me back to when I'm 12 years old, like, you know, like, and I, but I've been listening to a song for 30 years or something like that, you know, yeah, so, like a time portal, <laughs> time portal takes us back and mellows us out. And really, I, I mean, folks who, who are not into music, I don't, I, I don't really understand that, but I mean, it's just, it's, there's so much there. We do have to take a break. I'm breaking my own rules. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. I want to hear more about the organization. I want to hear more about some connections and things you might need, because I have a whole list of people I think we can connect you to already. Michelle, thanks for being here. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. Philanthropy and Focus. We'll be right back. Howdy. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. So early in the show, the earlier episodes i would tease my guest and i would say things like uh hey um next time we come back from a break you have to sing my theme song with me so i i stopped doing that because <laughs> you know, look at that reaction i stopped doing that michelle <laughs> because because people would react like you did but i always love coming back from the first break when people hear the, the lyrics to the song i think that's kind of funny i like to watch the reaction but i will not make you sing it was just a little joke <laughs> so let let's talk about you know, I want to keep talking about the organization, the impact, but something came up for me when I was researching and doing some background on this. And I was recently on a phone call with a, a young man who I just met recently. I was at BoardCon in New York City at the, wow. um, yeah, last week, last uh, Tuesday, I think it was. And it was, I was, it was at the American, I hope I don't script the name, the American uh, Jewish heritage museum down in battery mm -hmm. park and i have a client down yeah, there yeah. Shout, shout out to exponents my friends um regina and everybody over there at exponents they're down there in that battery park area and you get to i'll try to make this part of the story quick but an incredible view down there you see lady liberty you see you know so much going on and um and i was down there at, at that event i meet this young man um and his name's ernest and we were talking about things. We had a great call after I met him and it was around um, book deserts, health deserts, mm -hmm. food deserts, mm -hmm. right? So, and I don't mean the Sahara, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I mean the situation where in our own cities, in our own boroughs, right here on Long Island in New York City, and I'm sure in a city near you, there's, uh, you know, I get up on my, I think I just got my soapbox out because I see my, feel myself getting up on top of it. But the fact that somebody's eating $150 steak, you know, 10 yards from a man eating out of a trash can blows my mind. I still can't grasp it that we do, that this goes on on this planet and certainly, uh, you know, in this country and in our cities. Um, there are there are certain communities that don't have access to books and good, healthy produce. And 
healthcare. So as I talk a lot in my speech last night, I, I you know, um, at, at my class was, I, I referenced, I said, look, as we're having the conversation as we are around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, I said, we cannot forget about the conversation around the diversity of neurodiversity as, as that goes. Um, and important to me was trying to figure out equity here and have this conversation around access, equity to health. Um, Michelle, I, I think I lost you a little bit, so um, I will see you when you make it back here. Um, so this, this, to me, is an important conversation to have because I don't think we all have access to the same thing. Michelle, you're back with me, right? Yeah, you were frozen for a second. You, you were too, but we're back. It was, it, okay. You know, it's, it's so funny because my wife was up here in the attic earlier and she goes, I think it's time that you don't need that heater up here in the attic anymore. And, and then look, we were both frozen. So apparently we did. Apparently you did need it. We, we did need the heater to warm up my feet here in the attic. So let, let's talk about that as far as the, the access piece. Certainly during the pandemic, uh, I think we... We obviously, as you said earlier, we became aware of so many different things, but we became aware of uh, right in front of our face, things that were there that maybe we didn't, I shouldn't say we didn't know, but that people didn't focus on. So can we talk, as I set that up in a long roundabout way, really, I want you to to focus a little bit on serving communities that, that just don't have the access, don't have the same access. Well, you know, I'd like to address, you know, some of the stuff that you were saying before about deserts. You know, I'm from Flint, Michigan, and Flint, Michigan was uh, designated as a, a food desert. And I and and I, I didn't know it officially, but when I would would go home, I you'd be driving forever to get to a full-fledged grocery store, but there were, you know, liquor stores everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so you're saying, well, what's happening with zoning and all of these other questions? Um, and it really alerted me to the term food desert. Um, and then with regard to disparity, I do think that the pandemic brought so many things to the forefront. Um, one, of, one of the things when they closed the schools, I never realized that there was something like, and the figure might be off, but like 135,000 children that count on the New York City school system to feed them breakfast and lunch every yeah. day. Yeah. Now where they where were they going to go? And so again, nonprofits stepped in, philanthropy stepped in to assist with feeding people um, and 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 trying to make sense out of this this emergency that had come out of nowhere. And you know, I feel like the the cracks in our society just began to show up everywhere. And, and encourage kids with regard to healthcare disparity, which you know we know was real food insecurity, lack of, as you said, um, uh, proper produce. All of that's been going on for a while, but you know it really re- reared its ugly head with the disproportionate number of COVID deaths in Black and Brown communities. It just you know you're just assaulted every day on the news by mm-hmm. by these issues. Um, one of the things that I would say that we've been really successful at uh, is paying attention to underserved hospitals. And, and we've always done it. When we're giving away those funds, a certain amount has always been slotted for city hospitals and for hospitals in underserved communities. And that was when we were just starting in, the, in, the, in New York City and the five boroughs. Because obviously there are hospitals that are well-resourced. Mm-hmm. As an example, they may have a child life team uh, with art therapists, music therapists, all of that. A 15- like staffers, like people yeah. that work on, are, on the payroll, right? Yep. 15 yeah. people. And then, you know, you go uptown and mm-hmm. there's one, one person having to, you know, deal with a population of, you know, however many children come through their emergency room. And it's just daunting. It just can't be done. Mm-hmm. And so um, when, when there was a push years and years ago to bring child life to the forefront, hospitals did not understand it. Encourage Kids decided to do pilot programming and fund child life specialists in hospitals. So it was kind of a proof of concept thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Let us show you why these, um, these workers are important. And then you can go and find the money 
to put them on staff. And in so many instances, it really worked. They could not believe how it changed the dynamic, the nurses, the doctors, um, just, you know, the, the change was overwhelming. So we were really proud to be able to fund and support the introduction of child life to a lot of hospitals in the tri-state area um, and believe honestly that it did help with at least that part of healthcare disparity. So that if you were in a fancy hospital, you were receiving child life specialist care. And if you weren't, you were as well. You know, I wonder if you could talk, thank you for all that. I, I wonder if you could talk about, you know, when we talked with, with the, the young lady with the eating disorder and, and the drawing and how that sort of showed that she was experiencing a breakthrough there. Um, but I think we know, or I know at least as I think we know as a society that there's a real big impact about mindset and, you know, it's become ubiquitous mindfulness and meditation, and you can get an app on your phone or probably it's probably a hundred different apps on your phone that can help you meditate <laughs> and the whole thing. And I, I will tell you, look, I, I support all the folks who, who are coaches and meditation and stuff like that. But I will say this, you can just turn on YouTube and, and I do this in the morning. You just put in a 10 minute med guided meditation and it is right there for you. So, um, you know, and uh, if you don't have a phone, that's a different conversation to have. But I think, you know, most folks have some access to, uh, to some kind of internet and you just YouTube it and, and give yourself the time. I, I try to, I strive to do it every morning. Um, but I, I just, I, wh where I'm going with this is this whole child life, theme and and the mindset theme around getting better around you know i have personal you know family situations of folks are going through some health issues and it's I, at least in my experience it's critical not to just have a positive outlook not just to be not that certainly is important yes it is of course but to have these thoughts and connect i'll shout out a guy who i've never met yet in person but a guy called dr joe dispenza who's he's a neuroscientist and um, he's very, very popular and, and well-known in these areas, but it's around mindset. It's around vision of your, of the future, you know, and it's about thinking in that regard. So, um, <laughs> for those of you who don't believe society is set up where some are served and some are not served, I'm explaining that to you. It is that way. And I don't, think there's, there's no argument. We don't have time for that. That's ridiculous. If you don't get that, then forget about it. But right. to your point about these folks who are, are less served, of course, it's, it's the black and brown community, as we hear all the time, that, that uh, lose out on these services. They then have lower opportunities to improve the health because the child life, as we've just established, is a big piece of that, and it's lacking, right? right. So, so it's not there. So right. maybe you could speak even to, and we are going to go to break in a second and, and then uh, come back, but just like how you've seen the results, even the the improvements in certain communities by bringing in the child life piece. Well, not just that, but I'll tell you a story about, um, you know, something else that we we support. So, you know, sickle cell anemia mm -hmm. is something that disproportionately would affect the, the, the Black community. And um, that asthma, other, uh, other, other diseases or challenges are ones that need you need you need maintenance you need to be maintenance minded you know and so in trying to get the children and the teens especially to comply with medication and to have peer support we were asked to come in and fund a support group mm. and you know you lure the kids with pizza, obviously. So the, the hospital would provide pizza and snacks and then have them come into the support group and talk about what was happening, talk about stress levels, talk about, you know, sometimes people would say, you know, I went into crisis a couple of weeks ago and this is what happened. But, you know, everybody in the room understood what that was like. They understood what it was like to, to have to go to school and, you know, um, sometimes sickle cell manifests itself physically and get teased by people. Um, the outcomes were really wonderful. Same thing with an asthma support group that we did up in the Bronx. Um, compliance, understanding what triggers were, getting parents to understand that they should not be smoking around their asthmatic child. Um, where 
sometimes you really need to sit down across from a person and get them to understand how their actions can affect the outcome, their health outcomes, right? And so we liked supporting that type of intentionality and to see the improvements that were made in the community and their understanding of, of, of their condition. You know, there are people, Tommy, who, who get diagnosed and they get on the internet and they find everything they can find out and they have doctors and everyone to help them with the, the resources. And then there are other people that don't have the time, don't know how to do that, don't have access, access to those resources. Mm-hmm. And so we thought that funding those types of projects would really be a game changer. I, I I love yeah sorry I love meeting you I love having you on this program I love having you tell the story you need you don't need to but I think you should um uh apply for the one of or several of the New York City Imagine Awards and this is actually this is a shout out to your team not you you all need to get Michelle's application filled out for leadership excellence that I'm talking to you all who you know who you are um, because she probably wouldn't do it for herself as we know nonprofit leaders wouldn't but so make sure for the leadership excellence category I, I don't even know if you were aware of the Imagine Awards but I we could talk about I think about you it. told my team about it I think that's how I think that's how this all kind of I think this yeah. kind of all is how this all started, to be honest with you. I think you're right. All right, look, we're going to take a quick break. We'll, we'll do what I call the lightning round. We come back. I want you. It's not like a game show, although I tend to think I'm a game show host. Shout out to my buddy, Steve Fry, who'll be coming on. We both didn't know each other growing up. We, we all, both, as kids, always wanted to be game show hosts. And now we have shows on this network. So maybe we're on our way. Um, uh, we'll be right back. We'll do that lightning round, which would be like, who can we introduce you to? What's upcoming for the organization? How can my people support you? Meaning those who listen to the show. We will be right back. Thank you, Michelle. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. That's what I want you to do. I want you to cut through the static static like out of the way and come up two flights of stairs below the roof above the second floor in my attic all right so michelle i am so jazzed that you are my new friend well i'd like you to be my friend i hope you would like to be my friend Absolutely. Uh, like a real friend not like hey, yeah. be my facebook friend man no like like i, <laughs> I want to do what i can to, to help support the organization so before we go into connections the future events i want to ask you one thing do you have advice for either nonprofit leaders like executive directors, CEOs, et cetera, or directors of a certain level, or folks who are on the front lines of nonprofits who want to become a leader? What do you have there? I don't always ask that question, but I feel inclined to do it now. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, I can definitely, you know, do the latter because of course, when you're in uh, this type of position, people are always coming to you and saying, I'd love to be 
you know, have a career in nonprofit? What does that look like? How do you do it? And, um, you know, I tell everybody honestly, and it's not, it's not a joke based on my earlier story, but to volunteer. I think it's very important, first of all, for you to understand how the nonprofit world works. It is a corporate world. I think one of the things that people um, really are not aware of is they think that nonprofits run differently than corporations. Mm-hmm. Nonprofit is a tax status. It means that we don't. Oh, thank pay you. Taxes. Thank you, Michelle Hall. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, God, you know, like it's enough with the hat and hand crap, man. Oh, like, yeah. These are freaking no. businesses. It's a tax filing status. I got to stop myself, please. <laughs> please. It is a tax filing status. Oh. The people that the talent, uh, the competition to lead nonprofits is intense. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be a person that is very agile with a high level of emotional intelligence. You deal with volunteers, you deal with donors, you deal with your board, um, and you need to be able to wear different hats to do that. So I would say, you know, do not come in with this misconception. But like you said, it's a hat in hand situation. It's quite professional mm-hmm. and you need to be on your A game to uh, to ascend in the, in the profession. Obviously, um, constantly educate yourself. We are so lucky in New York with all of the conferences that we have. I'm actually a member of the Association of Fundraising Professionals. I'm the board secretary, and we are we are back in business with you know live events that are very important for networking, yep. as well as you mentioned BoardCon. Yeah. You know, um, it's it's you know there's a wealth of ways that you can really learn about specific aspects of nonprofit, from programming to fundraising to uh, strategy. Um, because all of it factors in. So I, I would, I would really, I would really say that really familiarize yourself with the profession. I love that. And you mentioned EQ, emotional intelligence, shout out to so yeah. many of my friends in that space. My buddy, Greg Sloan, we had a great conversation about EQ last week and purpose. We were down at a conference in Tampa. He's got a really cool platform called go beyond that really helps uh, employees and organizations find uh, their purpose and their passion. And there's so much there. We got, I want to stop that whole train of thought for a second, because I want to give you this opportunity to talk about either who we can connect you with, if you have upcoming events and what the future of your organization looks like. We do have an upcoming event. We are after two years, finally having an in-person gala at uh, Cipriani South. Um, the beautiful building that's next to the to Battery Park Terminal. Um, it's going to be May 11th, and we're very excited. We're so excited to be back in person. I went to the menu tasting, which is always fun. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. If you ever need help, like uh, you know, I, I don't know. Tasting? How much time, yeah, I don't have much time I have for committees and whatnot. But if you need help on somebody, just come and taste taste test food. Yeah, I'm in. Sign me up. Absolutely, for that. I'll put you down for the next time. Put me down. That's probably a committee you don't have trouble filling. I would imagine the, the food testing committee yeah no you know i, I it, it it was great and, and and you'll definitely be with us next time i will be and, and i want to figure out how i can get to the event on may 11th actually there's another organization that um, is doing an event down at the cipriani's as well um, okay good good yeah yeah i've i've heard i've heard so talk about connections talk about how you see the, the vision of the future for your organization too um, you know, I, I think coming out of the pandemic, there were a lot of adjustments made for us. If I start with what happened for us as an organization, we went from a staff of 14 to five. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. If Remember, we're a, a primarily like our revenue, a lot of it came from events and yeah, yeah. we actually had to cancel our 2020 gala the day before it what was it what was it scheduled for march uh march 11th the day the yeah. world health organization called uh covid a pandemic yeah that was wednesday because the 13th yep. was that yeah, it was. I, I, remember. I was yeah. in my last i was in my last meeting like that wow meeting on that wednesday and then the world changed yeah so you had a yeah, absolutely we oh, gave all God. our food to the bowery mission and uh and 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 then went and and cried in our pillows yeah um but so and then you know no 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 other other events 
Um, really, we were able to pull off a, a very limited golf tournament that summer. Um, we did a virtual uh, tasting, but again, these things did not, we did not make revenue goals at all. Um, same thing with 2021. And so being back in person is really, really exciting for us. I, I think it's exciting for all of us. There's so much, I will tell you, I mean, just even being at BoardCon, as I mentioned last week, I was like, oh my God, this is so great. You know, yeah. like I, and again, I've learned a lot and I've changed my ways a lot in, in just the whole joke about being in my attic and whatnot. But I mean, I used to be out 14 hour days every day, Monday through Friday, you know, breakfast all the way to dinners and the galas and all this stuff. And, yeah, and I've made, I've learned to make different decisions, Michelle, around that. And I will, you know, probably not drive down to Philadelphia for a 90 minute meeting and then turn around and come back when could have probably did that on a phone call or on a zoom call like you and I are doing right now so I think we've we've learned a lot um is there anything is there anybody on your hot list that you want to connect with whether it be an industry uh like we're going to do it quick but tell me that definitely um I would say uh you know the the technology industry Google Twitter Facebook you know that that group um, you know, we are, we are heavily reliant on the real estate industry. So industries outside of that, so we can bring in, um, some, some, you know, new, new people and new industries, but definitely tech, you know, tech is not going away. They're going to continue to, um, have show great profits. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and again, listen, you know, being a good social citizen, being talk about corporate social responsibility, I talk about it a lot. Um, I have an idea for corporate social responsibility. I'd love to share it with you on another call. But right. I, I think it's critical that we are, as businesses, good corporate citizens. That's the Long Island Railroad. It likes to check in. I don't know if you heard it. It, it just toots its horn like during my shows. You'll hear it again as I'm trying to close the show right now. Um, this show has been, oh, there it goes. Philanthropy in Focus, Michelle Duncan Hall, Michelle Hall Duncan. I think I screwed up the, the hyphen. Which way is it? I don't know. Michelle Hall. I see that it's Michelle Michelle. Hall. Just Michelle. Just Michelle. Michelle. I don't know why when you said that, it was like, I thought of Jennifer Lopez. She's just Jenny from the block. You know, don't don't be fooled by the rocks that she's got. I don't know what we're doing. All right, Michelle, thank you, Michelle Hall, for being here. You have an incredible organization. This show is called Philanthropy and Focus. Focus is spelled with a P-H-O-C-U-S, as it should have been originally, but as I decided it would be at least here in my attic. I'm out of breath. Next week on the show, I just want to tell you, Alan Inkles will be here from the Staller Center for the Arts out at Stony Brook University here on Long Island. Excited to have Alan here. Excited to keep my mission going of amplifying the message and telling stories for nonprofits. Michelle, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Um, I want, if you listen, I want you all to stay tuned. Steve Fry, my boy, the SMB guy, will be right here after this program, right after the commercial breaks. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks to MJ for hooking this whole thing up and making this yeah. happen. Yeah. And, and uh, New York City Imagine Awards applications are out right now. Go to nycimagineawards.com, everybody. I'm your boy, Tommy D, nonprofit sector connector. Make it a great day. Thank you, Tommy. Thanks, Michelle. Bye. Bye. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 